Welcome to TSF Life, a podcast ministry of the Shepherd's Fellowship Church in Marion, Ohio. TSF Life is designed to bring you biblical teaching in a relational way that's easy to apply to your life. Let's join Pastor Tom Hypes as we dive into today's teaching. Good morning again, guys. Uh, I think I've met everybody that I could hunt down. Uh, my name's Tom, and I happen to be the pastor here at the church, and we're thrilled that you're with us today. So we continue our study. Matter of fact, for those who are ready to dive in, Matthew 7 is where we're heading back. Uh, again, if you uh, have a Bible with you, great. If not, there's Bibles underneath the chairs in different areas uh, in these baskets that you can keep borrowed still. Or if you use version, which is a free Bible app, it's a national app, you can look at local live events and CTSF in today's date, and it gives you all the scriptures and place to take notes and all that fun stuff. But if you've not been with us, we are uh, in a study, uh, a long study. It's been about a year that we're into it so far, just on the life of Jesus. And um, we're right now finishing up the Sermon on the Mount. So we're in the first year of his public ministry as we're going through this. And I, I kind of want to keep the recap on that level of things with the Sermon on the Mount, because it, in many ways... Um, we wrapped it up last week as far as the Sermon of the Mount. Jesus started with the initial statement of saying, don't think that I've come to change the law, I've come to fulfill the law. And then he spent the two and a half chapters taking and telling us what it looks like to follow him, what it looks like for his attitude, for his heart, for his ways. And then finished things up last week with when you love others, uh, as Christ has loved us, when we love God first and foremost, when we're following the golden rule at the level that he sees it, then that is the fulfillment of the law. But at the end, he does see fit that if we're going to go into this kind of life or kind of lean into this life that he has for us, some warnings. Because as we talked about last week, any time that you start to lean into Jesus, Satan's going to come against that. And so he started into the warnings. And the first one we talked about last week was avoid the wide path, the wide gate. Uh, and look for the narrow gate. Again, we might have to drop some baggage to be able to go in the narrow gate. We might have to have a, a t- tougher path because it's a narrow path. It's not one that many don't take, but that he promises to strengthen our legs, strengthen our ankles, to walk with us through that path and to move us forward. Today, we're going to go through two more of those warnings that he has for us. So that's what brings us into uh, Matthew 7. Starting out in verse 15. Now, as we go through this, when it comes to these particular warnings, I almost, at one point, uh, named this sermon Holy Crap. Because it's like you have, you have these moments where it's like, oh, of, of these warnings that he's having for us. And, I, and it's the level we should be taking them instead of kind of glazing over them. So let's go into the first one and see if we find that to be true. Uh, in verse 15, Jesus is sharing, and he says, Beware of false prophets who come to you as sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from uh, thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, you will recognize them by their fruits. That this particular teaching can be applied to a lot of different things as far as any shortcut that we have in life that we're trying to get kind of a quick fix uh, that because Satan takes and brings things into our lives to lead us into bondage that look really good at first. Uh, um, I've been lonely. I just I want a relationship. And then you end up with a guy or a gal that isn't evenly yoked and isn't 
uh, exactly what they seem to be on the first three dates. And then all of a sudden you're shocked when there's someone different uh, as things get a little bit more serious or you get more entangled in. Or if it's just, you know, a little bit of alcohol, a little bit of gambling, a little bit of drugs, would just take off that edge. I just need when this is what my friends do. And then it gets worse and worse and takes us into bondage. But since Jesus is staying in the scope of talking about little people here, that's kind of what I want to keep today's teaching at, um, where he's talking about false prophets, we uh, could also talk about that as false pastors, false leaders. It's a, it's a big struggle within the church. Now, as we've talked about before, no matter what community group that you're ever in, you're going to find people that are not good, you know, whether it be uh, extracurricular, YMCA, your job, whatever. But there's an extra sting, I think, in it when you're in the church and you expect what the scripture has and then you have someone that maybe doesn't measure up to that. Um, and it seems, as we know, to be a pandemic overall that we sometimes don't talk about it enough. I was looking this week, uh, two years ago, I think it was, um, I did a sermon called Bad Pastors. I'm not sure if you guys remember that one or not. Um, and on our YouTube page, um, it is our second most popular sermon at this point, uh, as far as the studies. It's in the last two years, I think it, it's now gone over the thousand mark. Uh, it's only second to the, the one on homosexuality from both the 100% love and 100% truth standpoint. That's staying at thir- about 1,300 right now. Um, but that one's been out there for like seven years. This, this one, for some reason, has a lot of interest behind it. Um, and as I've shared once before, like get emails off of that of people dealing with tough situations in the church and they're trying to find anyone, anything to be able to process that or get help, get support, because it, it, it's painful and it's not something that we dig into as much. But Jesus wasn't shy about it at all and dug into it quite a bit here. So he has this warning of avoiding false prophets. And again, it's not an old thing. Um, for those writing it down, I don't think I have it on the screen, but Jeremiah, you might want to write down this because I'm going to read it to you, and then you're going to look it up later and make sure I don't lie to you. Make up my own thing. Jeremiah 23, verses 21 through 23. Um, and I, I think this will show us, I mean, actually I could go back to Genesis uh, 3 on this, but uh, that this has been a problem for a long period of time, but also brings up another point, I think, when it comes to false prophets. Uh, God is talking to Jeremiah, and he's talking about a group of prophets that went out in his name. And he said, I didn't send the prophets. I, I didn't send them, but they ran. I didn't give them a calling, but they ran. I did not speak to them, yet they prophesied. To pretend like they had my word, but they really didn't. But if they had stood in my counsel, that they would have proclaimed my word to the people, and they would have turned from their evil way and from their evil of their deeds. If they actually were waiting for my calling and my word and stood in my counsel, then there's a major difference that can happen. But we've got to make sure our leaders are following Christ first before they're even trying to pretend to be able to be leaders. If I'm not following Christ, I have no business standing up here, do I? At all. But there are those that fall into that boat. Now, here's the thing I'm thinking about with Jeremiah and also with this, is a lot of times when we talk about bad pastors or bad leaders or bad prophets, uh, it doesn't always mean that they have malicious intent. Some do. Some are trying to build their legacy more than the kingdom. Uh, but sometimes they got to running before they were called, and sometimes they got to speaking before they were talked to. And so we, we have like multitudes of layers within this that he's trying to warn us about, all of it coming back to one thing. You and I need discernment. We need to discern to make sure that we're not following false prophets. Some are evil, some are misled. But here's the problem I think that we sometimes fall into as Christians. Um, it is very easy to fall into a bubble 
kind of a safe bubble type end of things. We have um, our own music. We have our own books. We got our own speakers that we like on TV. We've got our own movies. We have our own streaming services now, so that's always good. We've got uh, this Christian world that there are those who, um, the, there are many who homeschool, and I, I love homeschooling and I love public school. I see pros and cons to both. Um, but I do know some that have homeschooled to keep their kids safe away from the world. Um, and, and sometimes we get a safe bubble like that. And as long as I'm in my bubble with my church and my church friends and my Christian music, everything, then I'm fine. Is kind of the thought that we have. And we let our discernment drop. And that's usually how people get power or get influence on in our lives that should not have influence in our lives. And Jesus is saying, look, you've got to wake up to that. Because that mentality becomes like, okay, if there's sheep and there's ravenous wolves and they're disguised like, if he had said, look, as long as you're in this field, you're fine. As long as you're in the, the pasture, you're good. You can eat here, you can rest here, but don't go into the tree lines because the tree lines, there's wolves out there and they'll tear you apart. As a, wolf, uh, as a sheep, it'd be like, okay, that's great. I don't even like the woods. I don't, I don't like hiking. I don't know how Amy does it. She posts pictures all the time of going hiking. I don't want to hike in the woods. That's okay. I'll just stay out of my field. That's that kind of mentality is I'm in the safe bubble. But Jesus says, no, what you don't get is they're not out there. They're here. And they look like you and they talk like you. And whether it's malicious intent or not, and sometimes it is malicious intent, you've got to bring discernment into everything that it comes into place. I was joking a second ago about going back and reading Jeremiah 23 to make sure I didn't lie to you. Go back to Jeremiah 23, make sure I'm not lying to you. Use discernment because Jesus says it's in your bubble and it looks like what you want it to look like. And that to me is the force of the holy craps. I mean, if you really open yourself up to that, right? It's like, wait, it could be Larry? Larry's been in our church forever. Larry's a good guy. I've purposely thought through names to make sure I didn't call anybody by the wrong thing. <laughs> I just, I did not want to call out Everett for anything. But with Luke, <laughs> sorry, baby. You were sitting there. You look like you need to work it up. Okay. But, but all of a sudden, you have to think about this. So what, what if it's uh, Betty? We don't have a Betty in the church. Nice little old 92-year-old Betty sits there in crochets and helps everybody else. She could be a ravenous wolf. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds like Kathy's deflecting. <laughs> but we have to look at it deeper from that perspective. We have to look at it from another's perspective, too, when he's talking about the food. Because I think this is a struggle that I've seen people walking into, too. Somehow we've gotten in our head that we can know that it's of Christ if it has fruit. And then if it's not, it has no fruit. And that's not what Jesus teaches here. There's good fruit, there's counterfeit fruit, and there's no fruit. Does that make sense? And so back to the discernment end of things, then that makes us go deeper and to start thinking about these things. When he's talking about, uh, let's see, what voice is this? 16. You recognize them by your fruits. Are grapes gathered from the thorn bushes? This, the people sitting there would know exactly what he's talking about in this time. There's a uh, particular type of thorn bush. It's called a buckthorn. That's very common in this particular area that he's teaching, that they would all be used to. That it looks like, just with the grapes, 
that it has grapes in it. It's not. It's like a berry, but it looks very much like grapes. And so most of these youngins that we had up here would be out there exploring and going, grapes, that looks good. And like saying, their hands just shatter. I mean, just it's all scratched up. And they learn that lesson quick, kind of like grabbing a you know, pot off of a stove or something. And so as soon as he says this, that you've got grapes gathered from no bushes, like, oh, yeah, I did that. I ain't going to ever do that again. Right with that, the figs from the thistles, there's thistle bushes in this particular region that he has, that they have little flowers on it that look like figs from a distance. Same effect. Same thing. I grab for what looked good, it wasn't good, and I end up paying a price for it. That's what he's trying to tell us about when it comes to these different struggles, these different things that we have within this, that we have to use the sermon. In the scripture, there was an interesting one in Acts 20, uh, you can write that down if you want to. It's a, it's a great, um, great testimony of love and fellowship. Um, I've talked about it before, but Paul is leaving Ephesus. Okay, so he's been, he's been on a mission trip. He came to the city called Ephesus, loved the city, stayed there for two years, teaching every night, puts uh, a local body church in place, raises up leaders, gets it all into place, and then it's time for him to leave. And he gets all the elders together, all the, the leaders of the church together, and says, look, I'm going to be leaving, but the Holy Spirit has put on my heart that I will never return this way again. I won't see, I won't see any of you guys until we're in heaven together. And they're brokenhearted. They, they love Paul. Uh, and it says that they're weeping and they're hugging each other and all, all these different things. And in the middle of it, Paul takes and stops and says, listen, I want you to hear this. When I leave, there's going to be false prophets, false pastors who are going to come into this and try to tear this down because I'm gone. Be careful of that. Use discernment in that. And then he says these words, some of them are already among us right now. What, Larry? Right? I mean, this is, this is not new. This is, this is a calling for discernment within the church, within us as Christians following the Lord. Uh, a modern-day example I'll give you. I kind of rock some people um, within our own church, but I'm going back. It's still an issue, but I'm going to go back to the beginning of the issue, which would be ooh, 17 years ago. Uh, there was a um, movement. There was a revival in Florida that was very popular at the time. Uh, do you guys remember what it was called? Yeah, that's okay. But as I started getting movement and power and healings and these different things going on and getting this national attention, this guy, and if you like him, I apologize because I'm going to trash him pretty hard, uh, named Todd Bentley from Canada decided to go be part of it. And Todd Bentley went down, and he has a very charismatic, very good speaker, uh, was doing a lot of healings, and they basically turned the revival over to him. Uh, for a season before it all fell apart. Now, since that point, uh, and he actually came to our area about two years ago, and I was pretty vocal in warnings about Todd. Uh, since then, there's been just a train wreck amount of information coming out of, of him and what he does and what he does to people and um, whatever. You can, you can Google that yourself. But at that time, none of that was in the forefront. Nobody knew about that. But uh, there was questionable about how he was doing his healings. Because, you know, a lot of times you see people like just praying over somebody for healing or laying their hands on them for healing. He would uh, smack, he would punch, he would shove down to the ground. Uh, he was like motorcycle type guy. Uh, the one that really was just like, come on, people, we've got to wake up here. Uh, he was on the edge of the stage and an older woman, that Betty, that's 92 years old that I was telling you about, she comes up to the front and he kicked her in the face with a motorcycle boot as hard as he could for healing in the name of the Lord. I don't remember that section in the scripture. Maybe I missed that part. 
But then there's all, so let's, let's use some discernment here. And someone in our church, who I lo love dearly, they're, they're no longer here at the church, but, uh, but, but very much a part of our lives, um, was really thrown by this because there's fruits. They're all healings. So he has to be a Jesus, and I'm trying to get my head around how that is. Well, no, there's counterfeit fruit. We're putting our hand in the thistle bush. We're getting into areas that are not good, and we have to use discernment. The way that I look at it, um, because it doesn't have to be as scary as it sounds in some ways, but um, several years ago, uh, Jenny and I and Ginger, we used to go to these motor mystery uh, things at uh, the Mansfield Prison that's out there, uh, where they did Shawshank Redemption. And if you haven't been there, it's a pretty cool facility, but they have like this big cafeteria. Uh, you can either see it there, or you can see the cafeteria in Air Force One. That's the other movie that was filmed at the, anyways. Uh, but it, it, in there, they, they had a nice spread, and you had a several course mill, and, and you, in between each course, there was a break, and they would do the play of the murder mystery. Uh, that you would watch and try to pick up clues and whatnot. And uh, then during the mills, they, they would stay in character and they would walk around and just talk with people. And you could try to get information out of them or they gave you like Monopoly money and you could bribe them up or whatever the case would be to try to get information. And the whole goal was try to figure it out by the end. And the whole night was a lovely, great night, but you were constantly like, why do you just look at that window? I wonder if that goes into the story. You're, kind of like, you're watching every little thing and trying to get every little bit of information. By the way, if you offer them all the money, for the answer of who did it, they will not answer it. Uh, but I tried. I tried. It was a valid effort. We tried pulling our money, they still wouldn't answer. But it's that kind of thing within the church. We've got to be aware. We've got to be aware. We are in a great season of peace in our church. I love it. Uh, but things will come back around because we're people. And we've got to be aware and make sure that we're following the right people. Uh, test, test leaders, because Satan shows up as a light. I'll give you this one, Second uh, Corinthians. Write it down if you would and make sure I'm not lying to you. Second Corinthians 11, 13 through 15. Paul was warning about su such men to the church. He said, for such men are false uh, apostles, deceitful workmen, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So it is no surprise if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. Their end will correspond to their deeds. So we definitely, definitely have to keep our eyes open. If you have a concern, just a sidebar, if you have a concern with uh, someone that's a leader or prophet or uh, pastor or whatever name you want to put to it, uh, I did put down some, some thoughts that you might want to put to it. This is mostly probably within church leadership. These would be true within our church. If you had a concern with me or one of the elders, uh, I'll, I'll use me as the example because it's easier and, uh, you know, like not. If somebody's watching online and looking at their church, they can use it there too. But if you have a concern with the leader, the first step to do, and I'm not putting these up on the screen for a reason, but you write them down if you would. First step is to, to pray and to get into the Word yourself. Make sure that you're in the, the right place. There's, there's been times I've been very frustrated with somebody in leadership and found out it's my fault. It was my perspective all along. It wasn't anything to do with them. So we want to make sure that we're coming from a Christ standpoint uh, before we do anything, anything. So the first step is, is pray, get into the Word, maybe get some outside counsel from uh, a mentor or somebody that you, that you trust. Uh, step two would be this, uh, go talk to that leader. Not about them, don't get in a bunch of gossip, that type of thing. Uh, that just 
brings more and more pain. So the second one is go talk to that leader. So in this case, if it's me, you come, come talk to me. And one of the things that we usually find is either the person's uh, messed up and you're not going to feel comfortable when you walk out of that meeting, or maybe they had information that you didn't have that helps change your perspective, uh, or maybe you bring a perspective that I didn't have and you just help me see it from a different perspective. And the, the, the second two are great, but the first one, if it, if it feels like you know, it's off, then go to step three. Do step one again. Get back in the Bible, get into prayer, and make sure that you're in step with Jesus. Bring all that new information into the standpoint. And if it still feels like there's something wonky within all that, step four is go to the, those that they're accountable to. Now, obviously, I'm accountable first and foremost to God. So you've already done that. Then the next accountability over me is the elder team. Go to the elder team. Have a talk with them. Share with them your concerns. Maybe they'll have some perspective that can help you. Maybe you have a perspective that can help them. Maybe they can help in the facilitation to make sure that I get myself back into shape. Or maybe they confirm where the pastor is coming from, and then you still have to kind of figure out, am I uncomfortable with this? And if you're still uncomfortable with it, the next step is this. Go back to step one. Pray, get in the scripture, talk to a mentor, whatever the case would be, work it through. Maybe it will come back around that way. If not, and you say, you know what? I've done everything I can do here. This is not right. I can't support this. Then the next step is get away from it. You've done what's within your control. Get away from it. Now, the next step is the tricky one. That even takes more to someone, I think, than the rest. Do I warn others that there's something wrong in my church or one of my church leaders? I don't have an easy answer on that one. I, Sean uh, Jackson is a, uh, a buddy of mine, a pastor of Mays Community Church, and we were having lunch Thursday, and we were talking about two, let's say, situations that uh, are within the churches of Marion that aren't right. And like, that you know firsthand is not right and could be very damaging to people, could be very damaging when God uh, decides to lay it out if there's not repentance at some point. And he was like, when, when do you warn people about that? When do you don't? And that, those type of things. And I'll just narrow it down to one situation. There's, there's one that, there's, uh, again, we have many, many, many phenomenal churches in our town, uh, but there's, there's one that it's going to have issues sooner or later because God doesn't let that stuff continue. And uh, I had a buddy that I found I was going to that church. We're having lunch. He brings it up and stuff. And um, now I'm faced with, if this goes the way that it will go if he doesn't repent, their family's going to get hurt. That's, that's the thing. When God lays you out to make you look up, you're not the only one who gets hurt. You know, your spouse does, your kids do, your church does, your, your ministry does. And so I shared with him a little bit. And so I'm, I'm you use the sermon as you go, go there, but here's some concerns I have because we have that trust. We have that currency with one another. For other people, if they're just talking to me off the street or whatnot, my, that I probably most likely feel led to say, tell you what, that sounds great. They do great things in the community, but use discernment. And that just brings them back to opening your eyes when you're in the pastor. That's what we're supposed to be doing anyways. So I, I, if, if you ever feel like... I mean, if somebody was in Todd Bentley's church, I, I'd probably have to do some warning signal on it myself for people, but I've got to make sure I might because if not, then I'm going to be held accountable for causing division when there should have been unity. So that last step, man, use, use, use great to sum it, great to sum it. Holy crap, he's... 
That's a big one. Okay, verse 21. He says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do mighty works in your name? And then will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Verse 21 has got to be the largest holy crap moment in all of the scripture. If you stop and think about it through, there are people in this world, in the church, doing ministry, they're going to show up at heaven and say, here I am, expecting to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. He's like, I'm sorry, who? Who are you? That's, that's overwhelming. That's, that's one of the reasons why it's uh, so important to me. Every week, every week, uh, we talk about the gospel. We talk about Romans 10. We talk about if you acknowledge with your mouth, he's the son of God. And if you believe in your heart, he died and rose again, that you are saved. And we always go an extra mile on that because so many people have boiled that down to, oh, if I say a little prayer, I get a get out of hell free card, and that's it. And that's not what it's saying. That's why I always talk about you're God and I'm not, and I accept your forgiveness and I give my life to you. You're the one who created me. You're the one with the plan. You're the one with the purpose. You're the one with the passion. I want to follow you because it's a matter of a complete and total life change. We're making a decision for a life change. And that's what Jesus is talking about here. Not everybody says, Lord, Lord, to me, and even does miracles in my name are going to get into heaven because they didn't follow me. They kept running when they weren't called, and they kept speaking before I spoke to them. You see that? That's like, whoa, I don't know. That's, that's, that's rough. And I, I think he invites us to ask ourselves, am I legit? Do I call myself a Christian because I was raised up in the church? Do I call myself a Christian because I went to VBS as a kid? Or do I have a relationship with Jesus where I'm, I've accepted him, I follow him, and I walk with him? Um, and you might be sitting there thinking, well, are you telling me that if I you know, believe in Jesus and do good things, I'm not going to heaven? Uh, Jesus is telling you that, not me. It's not enough. If you think back about, uh, what's the reference on it? Jesus and uh, Nicodemus talking. Everybody know that off the top of their heads? It's in Matthew. But... Is it John 3? Oh, tell me it's in John 3. Where he comes in the night? Yeah. Yeah, it's John 3. Yeah, like I said, it's in John. <laughs> Thank you for your assistance, James. <laughs> no, that's exactly what I was looking for. I couldn't think of it off the top of my head. But uh, yeah, when he comes to talk to him in the middle of the night, and I've heard different theories on that, I, I personally uh, tend to lean towards that he just didn't want to be seen talking to, to Jesus. I, it always, uh, to me, brings up blazing saddles. Some of you guys have been around forever. It's a... Uh, when the, just like blazing. Yeah, blazing saddles. Cause you, <laughs> the, that's enough laughter at the pastor for one day, I think, Cindy. No. That's my, but, dirty, that's my dirty little secret. <laughs> <laughs> well, you hide it well, Cindy. We, we'll never know. So talk, going back to wolves in sheep's clothing. <laughs> you ravenous beast. No, but when the, the old lady comes and talks to the sheriff, uh, you have to know the movie to, to fully get it. Yeah, you know, and she's like knocking, like giving the pie and like talking to him and stuff, and then, it, then she like knocks again. It's like, of course you have the decency not to tell him when I spoke to you. That's, that's, that's kind of how I feel about like the Nicodemus and Jesus thing. And uh, Nicodemus, if you don't remember the story, comes to him and says, hey, look, we know you're of God. You wouldn't be able to do the stuff that you do without being of God. 
but then he starts talking about like, you know, I can't get my mind around this. I mean, all this. And, and Jesus, like, instead of going, oh, great, the Pharisees, no, I'm a God, we can work together on this. He just kind of like shuts him down and says, hey, look, unless if you're born again, you'll, you'll never see the kingdom of heaven. And Nicodemus, I mean, he's a righteous guy. He's a guy who's nailing it from an Old Testament standpoint. He has devoted his entire life to God. And thankfully, thankfully, he ends up becoming a follower of Jesus uh, a little bit later on because he's complex by all these things and he, and he has that intimate relationship with Jesus. But at the time, he's like, you're not getting into heaven just because you're righteous and you believe. This is a relationship. This is a purpose. This is a passion that goes much, much deeper. So I think it's appropriate for us to sometimes think, am I legit? Because I, I was talking to a guy at our 48 Plus Club, and he was talking about how it's commonplace for him to, uh, to ask people, do you, do you know Jesus? And I think that's awesome. I think it's awesome. He's like leading into relationships. He's talking about his personal evangelism and relationships and stuff. But very seldom do we ever ask each other, does Jesus know you? Does Jesus know you? You know, and, and that's basically what Jesus is, is bringing into this standpoint. Um, Think of it this way, because a lot of people just think, Jesus, again, and Jesus is very open to all of his entire ministry is about saving, all, saving us uh, and bringing us back to his Father. But uh, there's, there's almost like this, this image here where we think we deserve that embrace or that well done uh, if we're not doing it his way. And I, I kind of look at it like if I decided today I was going to leave church and I get on a plane, I fly out to Washington, D.C., and... Um, I walk right into the White House, and I just say, where's good old Joe Biden? Hey, I want to have a beer with him. I have a couple things I want to talk to him about. Um, really good shot I'm going to be tackled by four security guards before I ever see Joe Biden, right? And, and I could sit there and be like, man, but, but he works for me. It's my tax dollars. I'm a good American. I do what I'm supposed to do. Well, I, I should have the right to talk to the president anytime I want to. It's not reality, is it? Now, if I had gone to college with Joe Biden, which, by the way, I'm not old enough to do, but if I had, I had, um, it might be a different picture. Hey, Tom Hypes and the old days are back out here. Oh, send him back. Let's have a beer. Let's talk a little bit. Maybe, maybe that would happen if I knew him, if I had a relationship with him, if I accepted that invitation is what Jesus is talking to us about, that we have to make sure that we're there. Uh, let's, if you would put up Proverbs 30:12. The reality of is there are those who are clean in their own eye but are not washed of their filth. Not washed of their filth. And if you're constantly in a place where you feel like you're in turmoil and struggle and that life isn't going the way that it's supposed to and you're constantly the victim and all the promises of God seem to apply to everybody else but you, there might be areas that we can grow in that we have control over to turn that a little bit. I was, uh, this last story I'll share with you, but again, going back many years ago now, I was meeting with a gentleman uh, in jail, and he was a friend of a friend, and uh, he was uh, very high on the anxiety level, uh, ADHD level, uh, was constantly really jittery, constantly all over the place within his thoughts. Uh, some of those thoughts had led him to some really stupid mistakes, and he was going through the court system at this time. And, and we, we had talked several times. And uh, 
one of the times he decided to, that he wanted to accept Jesus as the leader of forgiven in his life. And um, I mean, it was pretty much like, kind of like on the TV shows. I was sitting in one closet, he sat in another closet, you got the glass in between, you're talking through the, the phones, and we prayed together. And when he was done, um, he just kind of was looking out in, into space a little bit, and I'd never, never see, seen him really like sit still before. And he was just really still, and um, after about 30, 35 seconds of silence, because you, you were in that moment, you know, the dumbest thing I could do right now is say something. He just, <laughs> you know, he's processing, have this moment with the Spirit. And uh, he finally, without looking at me, just goes, I feel peace. I feel peace. He was raised in the church. He knew every question I could possibly ask him about the Bible, but he'd never felt peace before. When it comes to the first warning, let me say this. Make sure you're eating your buffet where the good food is. Make sure you're following the leaders that are following Christ. That, that's the main thing. Because when you're following somebody who's off base or somebody who is malicious, that usually leads you to a place that you understand with Christ it's not real. It will help you with the second one. The second one is don't be afraid to really stop and think does Jesus know me? Does he know me? Do we have that kind of relationship? Because the best news about that is if the answer is no, or I'm not sure, you can talk to me about that today, and it's fixed up real quick. But it's a big decision. It's a life-changing decision. Or else it's just a little prayer that doesn't mean a whole heck of a lot. Does that make sense? If you were blessed by today's teaching, we hope you return for our next podcast. Or better yet, stop by the Shepherd's Fellowship any Sunday morning to join us live. You can learn more about the church by calling 740-382-3500 or check us out online by going to tsflife.com. That's tsflife.com. You can also support the ministry of TSF Life by donating at our church website or sending support to the Shepherd's Fellowship 1647 Marion Marysville Road, Marion, Ohio, 43302. Thank you for spending your time with us today, and we look forward to seeing you soon. Be blessed.